Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. We are now many weeks into shelter at home and physical distancing, and teams are looking for ways to build and maintain relationships, which is why I'm particularly excited for this episode. Today's guest is Jason Troy. Jason is a chief people officer and employee engagement expert. He spent 15 plus years in leadership positions working with Steve Jobs, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, and Mark Cuban. He's the best-selling author of Social Wealth that sold more than 60,000 copies. His 2017 TEDx Wilmington talk focused on how to get coworkers to like each other. His team-building game, Cards Against Mundanity, not humanity, is being used by more than 20,000 employees. And that is what he and I are going to talk about today. But as a side note, Cards Against Humanity is one of my favorite games, and you can now play it online for free. It is called Remote Insensitivity, but it is exactly the same thing, and I put the link in the show notes for you. Okay, so Jason and I talk about how to quickly build deep, authentic relationships, how to develop trust through meaningful conversation, and how teams and organizations can benefit when people actually know and care about each other. And the amazing thing is that you don't even have to be in person to do all that. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. I have to start by saying when I first got your inquiry and I saw that you had a card deck called Cards Against Mundanity, I laughed out loud because Cards Against Humanity is one of my absolute favorite games. Well, that's fantastic. No, it's a, it's, it's a great game, Cards Against Humanity. I've played it many times with friends. So if, if people out there haven't, it's, it's, a, it's a good way to get together with people and have some fun and just have a good night. Yeah. And if you play it with people who are, I would say, more on the uh, faith-oriented side, more on the religious side, it can be even that much more fun watching them <laughs> read the cards. It's, it's, it's quite fun. But yes. that's, that's a separate game. So let's actually yes. talk about what you created, which is Cards Against Mundanity. So what is this and why did you create it? Well, you know, all of my clients, no matter what size of business, have people on their teams, right? And either internally or externally that they need to really build great relationships with. And what I found is that's where people struggle the most, right? They, they talk about problems with dealing with employees, retention, acquisition, hiring, it's myriad of things. But when I go down deep and do things such as conflict resolution, I find that there is a lack of trust and they don't have really deep relationships with all these people. And today you have to build them really quickly. And so I feel like we skip over the most important part. It's like the roots on the tree. Like we don't care. We're just looking at the leaves and all of a sudden when the leaves aren't doing well, we're thinking, well, we'll care about them and not the roots. And that becomes the problem. And so a few years ago, I went back and figured out there has to be an easier way to do a lot of this work because everyone is struggling from this, from Coca-Cola to Pepsi to mom and pop shops with one or two people. And so I wanted to create something on my TED Talk that people could use and get 
the trust factor built exponentially quickly as though you were dealing with someone 5, 10, 15 years and be able to do it in minutes. And that would help your communication, your teamwork, getting people to work together, feeling a sense of belonging, feeling a sense of purpose, to be able to do all of those things and really help give you in a competitive advantage, create an environment where people will feel fulfilled, motivated, and excited, and just have that teamwork and communication work like you ultimately would want to have it. That all sounds amazing and also kind of impossible. Like how do you get people to have those kinds of deep bonds without spending a ton of time and energy and money that just doesn't seem possible. Well, if you think about it, I always think to go back to the times in our life when we've had incredible things happen. And the reality is, is that it's almost always happened in groups of people outside of, you know, getting married. It really has. You're sharing it with multiple individuals. And when you think about the times when we've, for instance, when we've met someone, for the first time, and it feels like we've known them all our lives. Like there was an incredible exchange that you had in order to enable that. And if you could do that in every conversation you had, or at least in a lot of them, that would be a game changer. If you think about the best team that you've been on, either personally or professionally, maybe it was back in school. If you think about the emotions you feel, the communication, what you're able to do and what you thought you were able to do after that, if you could take that and apply it on every team that you were on or leading or a part of, these are all game-changing things. And when you think about it, what you have in common with those people are a deep level of trust, a deep psychological safety where you can speak up, be yourself say things that can be controversial, right? You have a deep level of caring with those people that they have your back and you have yours, right? And then there's, you know, vulnerability and everything that's a part of that. So there's ways of replicating that. There are very few, right? A lot of them, what happens is they're experiential, right? You're around a bunch of people and you have some crisis hit, whatever it might be. Someone may get sick, someone may have passed away, something might happen. And that seems to be like the galvanizing factor because you you read stuff on TV about people who've had these health scares and then done these crazy things. And I'm like, well, why does it need to go to that? Why don't we be able to create that level of bond? And when you start sharing in groups of people and are vulnerable, that's where the real magic happens. And I was reading this study. I went to the New York Times and while well, I was looking for my TED Talk and I came across an article in the New York Times. And a woman fell in love in a bar and she asked this guy 36 questions, which I felt like that's pretty incredible. Like how many women could go take a guy to a bar and ask 36 questions and meet someone there, fall in love and get married. So I had a click on the questions that she, they were linked in the article and I figured it was clickbait or something like this, even those in New York Times. And it took me to this study by Professor Arthur Aaron, and he did it back in 1997, where he got a bunch of grad students together, 54 of them, and put them in a room, and they were complete strangers and didn't know anyone, and had them ask 36 questions to each other over 45 minutes. And, you know, buried in the last lines of the article, which typically are in a lot of research papers, was the stat that 30% of the people said they created the closest relationship in their life. 
with a complete stranger in 45 minutes. But think about that. That means I could take anyone listening. I could go to a coffee shop or any place, introduce you to three or four people, and you would walk away with a best friend. And I've done it before and it actually works. So that is something that's pretty incredible. And why would that occur is because the ability to be vulnerable in these questions were really vulnerable. Like one of the last questions was, tell me three things that you like about me, right? And they were sharing other experiences as well with someone that you'd never do unless you had met someone for a while. So if we speed up the ability to ask deep questions into the front side instead of the back side of a relationship, you get rid of the small talk and all the things that really waste your time and get to the things that matter. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about some of the team building activities that managers often do, things like, let's go do a cooking class or let's go do like some outdoor game thing. And it's almost like those things are designed to be an activity where we don't have to talk to each other. And that through some kind of shared experience, we're supposed to kind of magically bond and have fun and therefore like each other. And what I'm hearing you say is that actually it's the conversations that we have. It's that sharing with each other who we are that is way more powerful than any activity we could do. Yeah, because think about it. If you got to know someone and really cared about them, that's when you do your greatest work and then you create the experience. Because innovation requires a bunch of people to take risks with each other and have each other's back, right? That's when you create a launch or sell something or do something and blow it out is because you, the people around you, you have that relationship with. So you're sort of putting the horse before the cart, right? The conversation needs to come before the experience. Sure, there are instances when the experience can do that for you, but it's just chance and it's random. And this you can control. And I've done this now with at least 25 or 30,000 people that have gone through, at least, that's all I know of, right? It's probably much more than that. And I've done it in groups of strangers. And it's amazing to see it because once you do in a group of people, one-on-one works well, but the group is where the magic, because when people start sharing, they see each other in each other. They see the similar experiences and they know they're not alone. And they know they're not some freak or crazy person for having this and that all these other people have similar things. And then you feel a part of the people, the connection, the belonging, the caring, the other things, the empathy, the emotions, because you're sharing things with other people and you're sharing things that deeply matter to you and that deeply matter to other people. Like on a scale of one to 10, there are 12. Well, we rarely have those moments in our life when we can do that and we see ourselves in other people. And when you do this in a group of four or six people or 10, it's impossible not to, right? And when I do the group, people I'll see people laugh, cry, you know, do everything in them. And you always see that people start to lean into the group and you'll see people where they'll get more animated and a lot louder, no matter where I've done this, from Oklahoma to California to Massachusetts to Florida. It doesn't really matter who the people are. People are people. So give us a couple examples of what these powerful questions are and how you use them with your group. So you can do this remotely through video. You can do it in person. You can do it globally. I mean, I've done it in probably every circumstances, and it really is the same. What the questions would be would be to ask someone, tell me about the most important lesson you've learned in the last year. 
if you were to thank one person for helping you become the person you are, who would that be and why? You know, tell me about the great, greatest, your greatest achievement and what it was and, and why you think it's your greatest. You know, tell me about the biggest setback you've had in the last five years and how you overcame it. And there's a whole host of questions and there's fun things like if you had one superpower, you know, what superpower would you pick, right? It depends on how, what questions you want to pick with people and what you want to share. And I think every group's slightly differently, but the fact is those are all questions you would not normally share with someone in meeting them quick in the beginning and not knowing them. But also what I found is that I've done this with people that have known each other for 10, 15 plus years, and they don't know the answers to these questions, right? Because one of the questions I ask when I speak in front of people, and I spoke probably at least 15,000 people this year, I'll ask them, I said, how many people would have a coworker, someone in their organization that would know the answers to these, you know, four to six questions, depending on how long or how many I have them ask? I rarely had anyone raise their hand, like sub 1%. So we go and work with people and we spend a significant portion of our lives and we know nothing about them. So, you know, I get that there's a variety of different kinds of questions that you can ask based on the group, but I'm also imagining a whole bunch of managers going, oh my gosh, my team would kill me if I tried to do this with them. Or, oh, like I can see these a couple of people on my team being like so checked out or like giving such surface answers. Is there something you can do to prepare your group for this kind of conversation or to set the group up to have those deep conversations and not let it just become this very surface space? Yeah. I think that you need to talk to people about teamwork, trust, and communication and building a group of people that care about each other. And to think about that in order for you to do your greatest work, you need to understand and how to work with other people and know them and their experiences and vice versa. So there's self-interest in this as well as helping other people, and they go hand in hand. In today's world, would you rather work with a bunch of people that care about you and that communicate well, and you enjoy coming in and people will support and help you, or would you rather not have that? And if you look at the best teams, right, because I've gone through this research and I've, I've looked at, you know, I've gone into... I probably 19 out of the 20 companies that were in Forbes and Fortune's, you know, top 10 workplaces the last two years and observed teams. And I've looked at like the top 1% teams and the difference in the teams that are not smarter necessarily than other people. What it is, is that they care about each other. They communicate, they know each other. They do all these soft skills things extremely well. And that's why they excel. So the difference between the best and other teams aren't an IQ, they aren't where you went to school, they aren't your background, they're all things that you have control over. So you have to make a choice on what it is that you want. And then you can, there's tons of research that you can go in and share with people too on data, right? I mean, I have tons of it, I'm happy to share with people, there's tons of my website. But I think once you share all that stuff and talk to people about it, they'll get it. And they'll want to have that. And then you, as the person leading the group, need to go first. And you need to open up and share and take the risk. Because then when you're vulnerable, it signals to everyone on your team that it's safe to share. And then people will. You can't expect them to do something you won't. You know, one of the things that I think teams struggle with is this idea of liking your coworkers, 
right? And how much of trust is a matter of liking people and therefore you trust them and how much of it is trust that is earned through kind of repeated experiences that demonstrate I can trust you because you will keep my confidences. You will deliver what you say you're going to deliver on. Have you seen in the research kind of how does likability play into that? And, you know, for people who maybe don't like each other currently on a team, when they go through this experience, is there a shift that happens that that actually does make them more trusting of each other or more like they actually like each other now? Yeah, I think what happens is, is you start to, I mean, that's a great question. And if you take a look at it at a level, what happens here is you psychologically, once you know someone this well, what ends up happening is you put them in your inner circle, right? Because they know more things than almost anyone in your entire life knows about you. And then what happens because you do that, you open up more to allow more really great experiences happening, right? And, and like the old adage is, seek and ye shall find. Well, it's the same way here. Because you're going to trust them more, you're going to compromise more, you're going to go out more on a limb and you're going to then get better results, right? And so you're going to trust them more and they're going to have their back because they're more invested in with you because they know you. So I think what happens is with people who don't like each other, they don't trust each other and they've had some experience in their life either with that person or some trauma beforehand that severed that relationship, right? They may see that person as different, they may be fearful And what happens in something like this, when someone starts sharing, right, and an experience I had early on when I was doing my first group, and I did was doing this for free to try to figure out, I went into a business, and it was a small business, there was like maybe 20 people, and they were having a lot of financial difficulties. And I didn't really know this until I was about to go in, like literally 24 hours ahead, they told me that they've had some significant conflicts between two people in the business, two women specifically, and they literally hated each other. They were polar opposites and they did not like each other for years and it was causing a whole rift in the business because all this negative energy, they wouldn't work with each other and then it cascaded into different groups. And so as I was doing these questions, one of the questions that came up was a question of like, what was your biggest loss in the last five years? And one of them said a dog and one of them said their mom. And obviously it's not the same, but what happened out of that is the emotion of loss and they saw each other inside of each other somehow and they started talking about it as they were walking out of the room. That's how I know it was the question. And what happened is it started a conversation and what happens with trust is it's like a boat. You don't just stop it. It has to slowly turn around, but you have to stop it because more distrust stems distrust and trust stems more trust because what happens is we attribute negative intent or positive intent to everything, right? Someone's late for a meeting. Oh, you know, a client must have asked them to help. It's no big deal. Or the other one's like, oh, geez, well, you're late again. Like, you just don't care about my time, right? So what happened in that moment is something happened where it brought them together. And then they went out to lunch later in the week, which they hadn't ever or done in like many, many years. And 30 days later, they were actually social friends. And and I don't know that much about it specifically what happened with them, but my venture to guess out of all the other experiences is the same thing, right? Once they realized their false narratives were broken and that they were making stories up about each other that weren't really true in their own heads, and then they saw the person for who they were, then it allowed the opportunity for them to grow together. And when I do conflict resolution work, I used to go in and ask all these questions, and now I start with the game. 
and sharing with people how you build trust with people and how you break it. Do you have other stories where you followed up with teams after who've gone through this and can share kind of how has it impacted their team, you know, a week later, a month later, a year later? Yeah, so I did it at Google uh, a year ago in May or two years ago in May. And one of the things that happened is they brought their global team in. They had the VAT acquisitions. They weren't really working well together. They had a lot of problems with some of the engineers in India and the people in the U.S. just not getting along. And so I went in and did this with them, and they were quite skeptical because I find that people from other parts of the world are. And then they started to play the game in the groups, and I was in one room, and there was probably a couple hundred people, and literally every person was crying. And they had such an emotional thing, and other rooms were smiling, laughing. It was really all over the place, but what happened is – is the person who hired me said they had the best offsite they've ever had in the team history because the team used the questions with other speakers and got the speakers be much more vulnerable, got out of it. They had engineers from India who had never been to the U.S. or their families had not. And that summer, many of them planned vacations and went on vacation with their U.S. counterparts and their families together. And they never had met each other and they didn't know each other. And the people from India and their families had never been here. And after what I found out was the teamwork and the people working together was better than it had ever been before. And it helped them really be much more successful in the things that they were doing inside of their organization. And I mean, that's just one example. And pretty much all do the same thing, which is they go along the storyline as people got to know each other. I just had a client here in Dallas that was in conflict resolution and they were having problems for years and they got together as a team of five high profile, highly successful individuals, got them together. They were arguing, they were completely disconnected. And then less than two months, they turned it all around. And in six months later now, the sales have gone up 40% and it's a significant number to begin with. And they are all really good friends, tighter than they've ever been before. And they could never imagine that that would ever have been possible because they didn't trust each other at all. Like it was that bad. Wow. So these are the things that can start to happen once you open the door. There's a lot of other things that you can do along with it, right? One of the things I tell people to do on top of it is sort of a how to work with me manual. And it's a list of questions that you ask people to better understand how to engage with them by them telling you, like, what are their pet peeves? If you have difficult information that you want to convey or hard conversations, how do you broach them with them? If they're in a bad mood, how do you help get them out of it, right? So there's a lot of things that you build off of this game. It's not magic just by itself, but most of these other things aren't that difficult to do, and you're more apt to do them once you've had a really positive experience with people. Yeah, I love that you just mentioned this how to work with me guide because I have a program I run with my clients called the personal instruction manual. And it's that exact set of content, which is it's surprising how when you're just aware of someone else's uniqueness, it it's a game changer for that relationship. And I've had teams where one person will say, you know, you might notice that I do this, but actually this is why. And suddenly everyone's like, oh my goodness, 
Like I never understood that and now I understand it and I can read you and the situation totally differently because I understand your particular nuances. Yeah, and here's and one of the things is people get all into the disc or personality styles. And here's the problem with all of those things. I mean, I, I think they're useful to a point, but here's the difference. If I know you're something and I'm something, I still have to try to predict, analyze what you're going to say or do. But if I ask you the question, you know, tell me what your biggest pet peeves are. Tell me how I can work and engage with you the best, right? Tell me things like if I break trust or you get mad at me, what's the best way to approach you to try to reconcile or get things back on track, right? And there's a lot of questions you can ask. Well, once someone hands you that information, you now know what to do and serve them up the way that they want. And let's say that it doesn't work. You can then approach them easily and say, hey, I did what you told me to do. Why didn't it work? And the other person might say, well, it's more like this than that. And now you have a conversation and now can move so much farther and get past whatever it is and understand each other much better once you have something concrete to show someone rather than trying to understand their style alone and what's going on in their head because that's what gets us in more trouble in every relationship. It's why onboarding is broken in general, right? Is that you don't do these fundamental things when you hire new employees or new people join your team, right? Well, they don't know what to do. They don't know the rest of the people, but if they had pieces of paper or things they could look up that would tell you these insights and written down, they'd be much more successful in being able to engage with other people because they know the recipe and they'd have a manual on them rather than trying to figure it out through hard knocks. Well, and on that point of having new people join your team, if you have a team that has really high trust, right, you've gone through your activities, you've asked these deep questions, you've done this kind of ongoing work together, and you have someone new join, do you, how do you integrate them so that they can quickly get up that trust speed? Well, the easy thing you do is just to play the game with them, right? One, inside of the team. And then if you're a company is to get them to play it with people in different groups, right? So you have a way to know someone across the business in every sort of group itself, because that's going to get them to feel like they belong and connect and they have a home. And then if you have the how to work with emails, if you have them up on some sort of server or you have them in a cloud, you then can tell the person, look through all of these things, right? As a manager and read them about the people and keep them as you're engaging with people because it is your secret sauce on how to do something with them and then train them on how to use the manual by saying, look, if you try something that doesn't work, go approach the person. Because maybe you're not interpreting the information, you're doing it differently, but that opens a conversation with them in order to move beyond any conflict or any challenges to build a great relationship with every single person, not just three out of five or two out of five, or one out of five. I feel like we could keep going, but we have to start to wrap up. So will you tell us, Jason, about a rock star manager that you had the privilege of working with, and what made that person so fantastic? You know, I think one of the people that I work with, I have a client here, his CEO's name's Tom Medine, a Worldwide Express, and it's a really large shipping and logistics company. And one of the things I thought was great was that I started working with him a couple years ago, 
he wasn't really that vulnerable and he would say things like, you know, well, you know, big boys don't cry and get emotional. And after we started working together, you know, you could see the level of caring and things that were going on. And he just didn't realize that vulnerability was actually his strength and power. And then I saw him go into a meeting with some of the employees and another meeting with some of the partners that they had, say, a franchise business. And it was a complete game changer and the business changed significantly from that point. And everyone went up to him and said that you were amazing in that meeting. And I saw this happening and I was like, that is just incredible to see someone make that turn and do something and put themselves out there. And it was a huge risk and have it turn out that great. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? So they can go to my website. It's jasontroy.com. It's jasontreu.com. And then you can go to Cards Against Mundanity and download the game. And there's a, the PDF version. And then if someone wants the cards themselves, there's a link to go get a paid version of it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and wisdoms. I am so excited to try out these cards with the teams that I work with. Well, thank you. Jason offers Cards Against Mundanity as a free download to anyone who visits his website, and there are physical cards that you can purchase. But if you are a member of the Modern Manager community, Jason is providing a free 30-minute coaching session where he will help you strategize for how to use the cards and how to build relationships with your team. To learn about memberships and become a member, go to themodernmanager.co slash join. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is now at themodernmanager.co. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.